0: Salutations, I am Kenneth Barrios, leadership coach and owner of Key Bravo Leadership Development with the mission of unleashing your talents and maximizing your impact without compromising your time. Welcome to our 16th Law Success Series, where I read out loud about 20 to 30 minutes of this great tome for your audio pleasure. This book is the foundation of which all other personal and professional development is based, written by Napoleon Hill in 1928. I am now using this public domain book as my foundation to success, and I want to bring you along for the journey. So please enjoy, and your feedback is always welcome with gratitude. Thank you. A young man who who is earning only $20 a week as chauffeur for a prominent New York banker was induced by his employer to keep an accurate account of every cent he spent for one week. The following is an itemized list of his expenses. Cigarettes 75 cents. Chewing gum thirty cents. Soda fountain a dollar eighty. Cigars for associates a dollar fifty. Moving picture show a dollar. Shaving including tips a dollar sixty. Newspaper Daily and Sunday twenty two cents. Shoe shines thirty cents. Total seven dollars forty seven cents board room, $12, money on hand, $0.53, cents. total $20. These figures tell a tragic story, which might as well apply to thousands of other people as to the young man who kept this count. His actual savings out of $20 were only $0.53. Cents. He spent $7.47 for items, which one of which could have been greatly reduced, and most of the, which could have been eliminated entirely. In fact, by shaving himself and shining his own shoes, he could have saved every cent of the $7.47. Now turn to the ta- turn the table made up by the Building and Loan Association, and observe what the savings of $7.47 a week would amount to. Suppose the amount this young man actually saved had been only $25 a month. The saving would have increased to the snug sum of $5,000 by the end of the first 10 years. The young man in question was 21 years old. At the time, he kept his account expense account, and by the time he reached the age of 31 years, he could have had a substantial amount in the bank, had saved $25 a month, and this saving would have brought him many opportunities which would have led directly to financial independence. Some who are short-sighted, Pseudo-philosophers are fond of pointing to the fact that no one can become rich merely by saving a few dollars a week. This may be true enough, as far as the reasoning goes, which is not very far, but the other side of the story is that the saving of even a small sum of money places one in a position where, oftentimes, this small sum of money may enable to take advantage of business opportunities which lead directly and quite rapidly to financial independence. The foregoing table, showing what a savings of $5 a month will amount to at the end of 10 years, should be copied and pasted on your mirror, where it will stare at you in the face every morning when you get up and every night as you retire, providing you have not already acquired the habit of systematically saving of money. This table should be reproduced in letters and figures an inch tall and placed on the walls of every public school throughout the land where it might serve as a constant reminder to all school children of, value, of the value of the saving habit. Some years ago, before giving serious thought to the value of the savings habit, this author made up an account of the money which had slipped through his fingers. The amount was so alarming that it resulted in the writing of this lesson, and added, adding the habit of saving as one of the 15 laws of success. Follow is an itemized statement of the account. $4,000. Inherited invested in automobile supply business with a friend who lost the entire amount in one year. 3600 Extra money earned from sundry writing for magazines and newspapers, all spent uselessly. $30,000. Earned from training 3,000 salesmen with which the aid of the Law of Success philosophy invested in a magazine, which was not as not a success because there was no reserve capital back of it 3400 extra money earned from public address lectures all of which was spent as it came in 6000 estimated amount that could have been saved during a period of 10 years out of regular earnings at a rate of only fifty dollars a month total forty seven thousand dollars this amount had it been saved and invested as received in building and loan associations or and some other manner that would have earned compounded interest would have grown into the sum of $94,000 at the time this lesson is being written. The author is not a victim of any, of any of the usual habits of dissipation, such as gambling, drinking, and excessive entertaining. It is almost unbelievable that a man whose habits of living are reasonably moderate could spend $47,000 within a little over 10 years without having anything to show for the money, but it can be done. The capital reserve of $94,000 working at compound interest is sufficient to give any man all the financial freedom he needs. I recall one occasion when the president of a large corporation sent me a check for $500 for an address I delivered at a banquet given to the employees. And I distinctly recall that went through my mind when I opened the letter and saw the check. I had wanted a new automobile and this check was exactly the amount required for the first payment. I had it spent before I had it in my hands 30 seconds. Perhaps this is the experience of the majority of people. They think more of how they are going to spend what they have than do about ways and means of saving. The idea of saving and the self-control and self-sacrifice which must accompany it is always accompanied by thoughts of an unpleasant nature. But oh! How it does thrill one to think of spending. There is a reason for this, and that reason is the fact that most of us have developed the habit of spending while neglecting the habit of saving, and any idea that frequents the human mind but seldom is not as welcome as that which frequents it often. In truth, habit of saving can be made as fascinating as the habit of spending, but not until it has become a regular, well-grounded, systematic habit. He like We like to do that which is often repeated, which is but another way of stating that the scientists have discovered we are all victims of our habits. The habit of saving money requires more force of character than most people have developed, for the reason that saving means self-denial, and sacrifice of amusements and pleasures in scores of different ways. For this very reason, one who develops the savings habit acquires at the same time many other needed habits which lead to success, especially self-control, self-confidence, courage, poise, and freedom of fear. How much should one save? The first question that will arise is, quote, how much should one save, quote, the answer cannot be given in a few words, for the amount should save depends upon many conditions, some of which may be within one's control and some of which may not. Generally speaking, a man who works for salary should apportion his income about as follows. Savings account, 20%. Living, that's closed food and shelter, 50%. Education, 10%. Recreation, 10%. Life insurance, 10%. Total, 100%. The following, however, indicates the approximate distribution of with which the average man actually makes of his income. Savings account, nothing. Living, clothes, food, shelter, 60%. Education, 0%. Recreation, 35%. Life insurance, 5%. Under the item of recreation is included, of course, many expenditures that do not really recreate, such as money spent for alcoholic drinks, dinner parties, and other similar items which may actually serve to undermine one's health and destroy character. An experienced analyst of the man has stated that he could tell very accurately, by examining a man's monthly budget, what sort of life the man is living. Moreover, he will get most of his information from one item of recreation. This, then, is an item to be watched as carefully as the greenhouse keeper watches the thermometer, which controls the life and death of his plants. Those who keep budget accounts... Often include an item called entertainment, which is a majority of cases turns out to be an evil because it depletes the income heavily and then carried to excess depletes also the health. We are living right now in an age when the item of, quote, entertainment is altogether too high in most budget allowances. Tens of thousands of people who earn not more than $50 a week are spending as much as one third of their incomes for what they call, quote, entertainment which comes in a bottle, with a questionable label on it, at anywhere from six to twelve dollars a quart. Not only are these unwise people wasting the money that should go into a savings fund, but, a far greater danger, they are destroying both character and health. Nothing in this lesson is intended as a preachment on morality, or on any other subject. We are here dealing with the cold facts which, to a large extent, constitute the building materials out of which success may be created. However, this is an appropriate place to state that some facts which have such a direct bearing on the subject of achieving success that they cannot be omitted without weakening this entire course in general and this lesson in particular the author of this course is not a reformer neither is he a preacher on morals as the field of useful endeavor is quite well covered by others are able workers what is here stated therefore is intended as a necessary part of a course of philosophy whose purpose is to mark a safe road over which one may travel to the honorable achievement. Break, break. I would like to have a quick word from our sponsor. Thank you for your time. Let's get back to the reading. During the year 1926, the author was in partnership with the late Dr. R. Mallette, who was, at that time, the publisher of the Canton, Ohio Daily News. Mr. Mallet. Became interested in the law of success philosophy because it offered, as he believed, sound counsel to young men and women who really wished to get ahead in life. Through the pages of the daily's news, Mister. Millet was conducting a fierce battle against the underworld forces of Canton. With the aid of detectives and investigators, some of whom were supplied by the governor of Ohio, Mister. Millet and the others and the author gathered accurate data concerning the way most people in Canton were living. In July 1926, Mr. Millet was assassinated from ambush, and four men, one of them a formal member of the Canton Police Force, are now serving life sentences in the Ohio State Penitentiary for that crime. During the investigation into the crime conditions in Canton, all reports came to author's office, and the data here described, therefore, known to be absolutely accurate. One of the officials of a large industrial plant whose salary was $6,000 a year paid a Canton bootlegger an average of $300 a month for the liquor, if stuff can be called liquor, which he used for entertaining. Quote. His wife participated in these cool entertainments which took place in his own home. A paying teller in a bank whose salary was $150 a month was spending an average of $75 a month for liquor. And in addition to this unpardonable waste of money, out of a salary which was none too great uh, at most, he was traveling at a pace with a crowd which meant ruin for him later on. The superintendent of a large manufacturing plant, whose salary was $5,000 a year, and should have been saving at least $125 a month, was actually saving nothing his bootlegger's bill averaged $150 a month. A policeman whose income was $160 a month was spending over $400 a month on dinner parties at a nearby roadhouse. Where he got the difference between the legitimate income and his actual expenditures is a question that reflects no particular credit on the policeman. The bank official whose income, as near as it could be estimated from the previous year's income tax reports, was about $8,000 a year, and a monthly bootlegger's bill of more than $500 during the three months that his activities were checked by the Mudlet investigators. A young man who worked in a department store as a salary of $20 a week was spending an average of $35 a week with one bootlegger. The assumption was that he was stealing the difference from the employer. Old man trouble awaited this young man just around the corner, although it, ha- it is not known by the author whether or not the two have come together as of yet. A salesman for a life insurance company, whose income was not known because he worked on a commission basis, was spending an average of $200 a month with one bootlegger. No record of any savings count was found. The assumption is that he had none. This assumption was later confirmed when the company for which the young man worked had him arrested for embezzlement of his funds. No doubt he was spending the money which he should have turned into the company. He is now serving a long sentence in the Ohio State Penitentiary. A young lad who was attending high school was spending large sums for liquor. The actual amount was not obtainable for the reason that he paid cash as he got the liquor, and the bootlegger's records did not therefore disclose the actual amount. Later, the boy's parents had him locked up, to save him from himself, quote, It was found that he was stealing money from a savings fund kept by his mother. Somewhere around the house, he had stolen and spent more than $300 of this money when discovered. This author conducted a lecture bureau in 41 high schools, where he lectured one a month during the entire school season. The principals of these high schools stated that less than 2% of these students showed any tendency towards saving money an examination th- through the aid of a questionnaire prepared for the purpose of disclose the fact that only 5% of the students out of a total 11,000 of the high school age believe that savings habit was one of the essentials for success it is no wonder that rich are becoming richer and the poor are becoming poorer call this a scholastic statement if you please but the fact bear out its accuracy It is not difficult for any man to become rich in a country of spendthrifts such as this, where millions of people spend every cent that comes into their possession. Many years ago, before the present wave of mania for spending spread over the country, F.W. Woolworth devised a very simple method of catching the nickels and dimes that millions of people throw away for trash. And this system netted him over $100 million in a few years. Woolworth has died, but his system of saving nickels and dimes continues and his estate is growing bigger and bigger. Five and ten cent stores are usually painted with a bright red front. That is the appropriate color, for red denotes danger. Every five and ten cent store is a striking monument that proves to the nicety that one of the cardinal faults of this generation is the spending habit. We are all victims of habit. Unfortunately, most of us, we are reared by parents who have no conception whatsoever of the psychological psychology of habit and without being aware of their fault. Most parents aid and abet their offspring in the development of spending habit by overindulgence with spending money and by lack of training in the habit of saving. The habits of early childhood cling to us all throughout life. Fortunate. Indeed, is the child whose parents have the foresight and understanding of the value as a character builder of the habit of saving to inoc- inoculate this habit in the minds of their children. It is a training that yields rich rewards. Give the average man a hundred dollars and what he did not contemplate receiving and what he, will he do with it? While, why he will, spend, he will begin to Coginate in his own mind on how he can spend the money. Dozens of things that he needs or thinks he needs will flash into his mind, but it is rather a safe bet that it will never occur to him, unless he has acquired the savings habit, to make this $100 the beginning of a savings account. Before night comes, he will have the $100 spent, or at least he will have it decided in his mind how he is going to spend it, thus adding more fuel to the already too bright flame of the habit of spending. We are ruled by our habits. It requires force of character, determination, power, or firm decision to open a savings account and then add to it a regular, if small, portion of of subsequent income. There is one rule by which any man may determine, well in advance, whether or not he will ever enjoy the financial freedom and independence which is so universally desired by all men. This rule has absolutely nothing to do with the amount of one's income. The rule is that if a man follows the systematic habit of saving, a definite portion of all money he earns or receives in other ways, he is practically sure to place himself in a position of financial independence. If he saves nothing, he is absolutely sure never to be financially independent, no matter how much his income may be. The one and only exception to this rule is that a man who does not save might possibly inherit such a large sum of money that he could not spend it, or he might inherit it under a trust, which would protect it for him. But these eventualities are rather remote, so much so, in fact, that you cannot rely upon such a miracle happening to you. The author enjoys a rather close acquaintance with many hundreds of people throughout the United States and in some foreign countries. For nearly 25 years, he has been watching many of these acquaintances and knows, therefore, from actual experience, how they live, why some of them have failed while others have succeeded, and the reasons for both barrier and success. This list of acquaintances covers men who control hundreds of millions of dollars and actually own millions which they have acquired. Also, men who have had millions of dollars, all of which pass through their fingers, and they are now penniless. For the purpose of showing the student of this philosophy just how the law of habit becomes a sort of pivotal point on which success or failure turns, and exactly why no man can become financially independent without developing the habit of systematic savings. That living habit of some of these many acquaintances will be described. We will begin with a complete history, in his own words, of a man who has made millions of dollars in the field of advertising, but who now has nothing to show for his efforts. This story, first appeared in the American Magazine, it is here reprinted to the courtesy of the publishers of that publication. The story is true in every respect, and it has been included as part of this lesson because the author of the story, Mr. W. C. Freeman, is willing to have his mistakes made public with the hope that others may avoid them. Thank you for your time today. I hope you learned as much as I did in this reading. If you ever desire to connect with me, you can email me at kb at k-e-y-b-r-a-v-o dot com. That is kb at keybravo dot com. Have a wonderful day, and may you be blessed with all the success you endeavor.